Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Dayton, Ohio, it's time for Dayton Business Radio. Now, here's your host. Welcome to Dayton Business Radio. Stone Payton here with you this afternoon, and you are in for a real treat. Please join me in welcoming to the broadcast with Style Encore Centerville, Miss Lisa Cup. Good afternoon, Lisa. Hi, Stone. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we are delighted to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about Style Encore, mission, purpose. What are you out there trying to do for folks? Sure. Style Encore, it's actually a franchise, and it is a resale clothing store for women. It is part of the Winmark family of brands, so others may know it as um, Once Upon a Child, Plato's Closet. Those have been around for some time. And then Style Encore started about five years ago, and it's the women's brand. So this is for women to look great, find an outfit, um, not pay full retail mall pricing, but, uh, but find, find a great look at an affordable price. So I have to tell you here in the Atlanta market, I have two daughters and a loving wife, and all three are very familiar with Plato's Closet. <laughs> so they're no stranger to that brand at all. So, uh, but why franchise? Why did you decide to go the franchise route as opposed to, to launching a, a different way? Sure. So I am a marketer and it's a great question because generally marketers don't necessarily want to do a franchise because they, you know, you think you don't have creative control. Here's how we got into Style Encore. It wasn't that I wanted to own a clothing store. It wasn't that I went out looking for a franchise. My husband and I went on a trip uh, with his aunt and uncle down to Florida one weekend of four years ago. And the guys went golfing that day and she, my, uh, his aunt said, come on, let's go. We'll shop for the day and go to a few of her favorite shops when they're in town. And we went down there and we go into a couple of little consignment boutiques, which you would normally see, you know, winding small rooms, often an older house that, that has been turned into a boutique. The third one we went into was this big, bright, organized store that had a ton of material, a ton of, of inventory, brands that I love. And, uh, and it was just great. And we literally had one of those moments where we turned to each other and said, Dayton, Ohio doesn't have one of these and we need to put one in. I think and that is marvelous. <laughs> and now I own a Style Encore franchise in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. So I, I can't imagine the, 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 the car ride or the plane ride back home. Like you guys, you must've been really fired up and talking about this all the way back. Huh? Well, we were in actually, so we met up with the guys that night, you know, and of course we're just chatting and we said, Oh, guess what? You know, here we have this idea. And actually they were both really supportive. And they said, you know, when you think about once upon a child for kids and Plato's closet for teens, you age out of those brands and style encores for women. And our target market is 25, age 25 to 55. But we have some regular customers that are almost 70 that come in. You know, it just depends on what you're looking for. And so it's a broader market. It's a better opportunity. It's quote unquote recession proof, which sounds funny saying it in 2020, because, <laughs> you know, we'll get into you know, the impacts of, of that as we're actually in it. But, you know, when people are... uh 
when they have money, they're, they still love a bargain. And when they are really watching their budget, resale is a great way um, to shop and look great for a lot less. So we just thought it was a great business opportunity. Well, you bring up an interesting topic because you mentioned some of those folks around you. Maybe I think maybe you meant the the guys that that he was golfing with, or or maybe it was the aunt, but but that they were very supportive. You know, that's not always the case sometimes when we talk to our friends and family about any type of entrepreneurial venture. Why do you suppose that is that sometimes they're not all that supportive? Well, you know, I think, and I've. I'm a bit of a serial entrepreneur, so I've owned a few businesses and I have another one now. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of businesses fail, let's be honest. Yeah. A lot of people have great ideas and for whatever reason, you know, market conditions can shift or it was undercapitalized, whatever. There are a number of reasons. And usually people have rose-colored glasses. Now, I will say that my husband, who has been right in their lockstep with me, he's more conservative. I call him my steady Eddie and that's in a good way. Mm. And so for him to get on board, actually that's where the franchise really helped because he thought, you know, because it's a significant investment to get into any franchise really. Sure. And and especially one with a physical presence like this store is, um, you know, nearly 5,000 square feet and you buy all this inventory because we pay cash on the spot. And he was on board because it was a franchise because we didn't have to reinvent the wheel you know, you get the playbook from them. You have training, they're behind you, you get the, the technology, et cetera. So that actually really helped us uh, gain the support that we needed uh, to, to move forward with it. All right. So you have a physical store. Do huh? you have an online presence as, as well, or is it strictly the, the brick and mortar? Uh, we do uh, with uh, an asterisk. So we we have a Facebook shop. The brand, to be honest, was a little bit slow on on creating an online presence. They really, and I say they, the franchise company really believed in the physical foot traffic, and that actually, you know, e-commerce might actually take away from that. Hmm. And my corporate career prior to this was uh, heavily into e-commerce, which is ironic too that I would own a retail store. <laughs> Of course, I'm pushing, you know, the very first day we met them. Okay, so when are you going online, right? When is that going to happen? And then, of course, 2020 hit and stores closed, including ours. And then you didn't have an an online presence. So guess what? Now, you know, they're really hurrying to play catch up and get an online presence available. And honestly, people are more, consumers are more willing to buy online now, especially even resale items. Um, where before they thought, oh, I'd have to try it on. I don't know about that. But now they're much more comfortable. So what is the the business model? Is it similar to some of those other brands that we talked about earlier in the conversation? Is there a consignment aspect to it? Or how does that piece of it work? Yeah, so we, we are different than consignment in that we pay cash on the spot. So wow. a lot of people use the term consignment synonymously with a resale shop. You know, is this new or is this used clothes, right? <laughs> uh, and, and these are gently used clothes in great condition. But it's not consignment in that when you bring items in that you want to sell to us, we pay cash. And I mean physical cash, which is interesting, by the way, right now with the corn, coin shortage. That was <laughs> a new, you know, thank you, 2020. What new challenge can you bring <laughs> business owners? Now we have a coin shortage, but we physically pay cash to you. If we buy your items and it's $23.52, we're handing you dollars and coins. And 
back in the day before this model uh, existed, you would bring your wonderful items to a consignment shop and say, I would like to sell these, right? And the consignment shop would say, I love them. Uh, we're going to take them, put them on our on our uh, floor. And if they sell, you know, call us back in a couple of weeks. And if it sells, we've got some money for you. And by the way, we might discount it and you might get less for it. And so we take on at Style Encore, we take on that risk. We pay you uh, what we believe it's, it's worth uh, from a cost standpoint. And if we end up clearancing it and we guessed wrong, that's on us, not on the person that sold it to us. So tell us a little bit about the ramp up, because it sounds like these folks uh, at Style Encore really have, have their, their stuff together. I mean, that, that sounds like a, there's a lot of rigor, a lot of discipline, a lot of best practices, probably some score tissue that reduced the friction <laughs> and shrunk the timeline for you guys. So yeah, 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 tell us a little bit about that ramp up. Yeah. So, you know, the, as an owner, like it's great for the person that sells to us as the owner of a, of a franchise, like that, of, a, of a business like that, you're, you're taking a lot of risk because you have to buy the right stuff. And let's be honest, you're mm-hmm. not going to always buy the right stuff. And so, you know, there are four days of the year that are my worst days in that business. And that's the end of the clearance cycle where we donate what we didn't sell. So we didn't even get, you know, the pennies on the dollar and we're bagging it up and it's going to, you know, be donated. And then of course, yes, you get the tax write-off, but each item you think, oh, I, we decided to buy this and paid for it. So you do need a lot of rigor um, to try to, um, to understand your market, right? So I think it's very helpful to have people who are um, in tune with our market and what people wear and the styles here and what which brands are in demand and then um, watch for them make the right decision uh, you know don't pass also don't pass up anything that's good that we might be able to sell so what to buy and what not to buy is um, is both a challenge um, but yeah we handle it through training and we have style guides and we stay as current as we can with you know, the finicky uh, pers- uh, changes in what people are looking for in terms of style. So has, uh, uh, we, we call it down south, the, the recent unpleasantness, <laughs> kind of like we refer to the Civil War, has the recent craziness with COVID-19 and some other challenges, um, has that had an impact on, on your business? Or can you speak to that a little bit if it, if it has? Absolutely. I mean, so many businesses have, right? So it's not even news anymore. You cannot be a business owner in 2020 and not feel the impact. Um, I mean, it's, it's affecting everybody. But in our case, you know, we ended up closing the store for seven weeks because the state closed all stores, you know, uh-huh. closed everything, right? Like yeah. we all did. We were all sheltering in place and all that. And even before that, and it kind of came up suddenly, right? Because we were going around our merry way and you'd hear rumblings, but nobody really kind of went into to panic mode until that mid-March when it really started to happen. And I'm telling you, within a week or two, I mean, we were closed. Our entire team was um, was basically furloughed, you know, said, we don't know if we'll be able to reopen. I mean, you just never yeah. knew what was happening. We locked up the doors. We put a sign, you know, a sign on the door and all of our inventory sat and 
you know, that's what we did. Uh, and then of course spent all of our days trying to, um, navigate all of the government, um, you know, uh, PPP loans and all these other things. So, um, yeah, that's what we spent a lot of time doing. Um, and so it definitely had an effect on us, but we have come through it and, and I believe we've come through stronger. We're not back up to where we were before. No one is, I don't think, but we are, um, people were happy to see us reopen and we're, we're doing okay. We're climbing out of it. So I sort of half thought you were going to tell me with, you know, seven weeks out of the shop, I, uh, I decided to buy a different franchise and I'm also over here. That <laughs> sounds like your personality a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I spent my time, uh, figuring out, you know, will it reopen? And we felt this responsibility with the team, you know, we employed some people now they were not full-time people. They didn't count on us for benefits, but still, I mean, we had people that worked, 30, 35 hours a week, they were our, you know, our regulars and they, we were their source of income. And so we took that very, that responsibility, you know, uh, greatly and, and felt terrible when it, when it happened and we could not wait to have them come back. And they were so great. We have a great team. Many of them said, we'll come back. You don't even have to pay us. And we said, no, we're, (laughs) thank you for that. But, you know, we're closing and we're preparing for reopening. Um, which was kind of a funny story, actually, when we did reopen, um, everyone in Ohio, as you probably know, we wine with DeWine at two o'clock became a thing Uh every day he was doing his updates. And if you're a business owner, you're literally watching that so that you can figure out what's going to happen with your livelihood. Right. Right. One day we kept waiting for the date when we were going to reopen. When was it going to happen? And then one day he announced that um, if you were a retail store and you could see customers by appointment, and he used an example of a jewelry store, you know, for example, if you could have somebody come in as an appointment and you show them around, that you could do. And I was sitting there and I jumped into overdrive and went, well, that's it. We're opening tomorrow and we're doing appointments. What time would you like to come in and shop for your uh, for your clothes tomorrow? And we ended up having twelve appointments the next day. Wow! And reopened. Congratulations so. on that! Now that's an inspiring story. That had to be incredibly rewarding to to see the folks come and to get some some of your employees engaged. That had to feel good. It was great, and then the you know the customers are coming in, and they were so happy to see us and it was a little bit of a reunion and we brought a few of the staff members back and everyone, I mean, though, those were some good days actually. And then it, we did that for about 10 or 12 days. And then of course the word came out that we could just, everybody just reopened mm. and it, you know, it was sort of back to normal, but yeah, that was, uh, you know, as a business owner, you need to constantly have your ear to the ground, you know, for good and bad. And you need to be nimble to be able to react and, we pulled it together. I mean, that day we, we were open the very next morning, you know, at, at 10 o'clock we were out on our social media channel saying, guess what? We're open. Call us, make an appointment, come see us. We're here. And, and isn't that almost invariably 
uh, in one of the early pages in the in the entrepreneur handbook, right? Take some action. Throw your hat over the fence. And maybe you don't have all the research and the data. Go do something. Get the data back in. Tweak. I mean, you jumped on that the moment you saw just the least little bit of light coming through the window, didn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that was that was a uh, a great move for us. And it signaled to our customers that we were still in the fight, you know, and, and we were open. And, um, and then by the way, we sent, I and mean, we've always recognized the, our loyal customers, but we sent a handwritten note to all of our customers that shopped with us in those 12 days. And, and it didn't have an offer. It wasn't a coupon or anything. It was just, Hey, thank you handwritten by the team. They went out in the mail every day and we just thanked them for coming in and supporting us and for coming back and, and all that. And we had so many customers tell us that they really appreciated that as well. Well, I mention it because some of our listeners are aspiring entrepreneurs. They may not have pulled the trigger just yet. They're thinking about it. And I'm not suggesting that there's not uh, plenty of reason to exercise some reasonable amount of due diligence, uh, particularly before you make a financial investment or life decision. But I got to tell you, for those of you who fall into that category and are listening to this, you're getting a master class here on entrepreneurship. Uh, the, just some of these pearls that, that Lisa Cup is dropping, they, uh, there's tremendous value in them. And already just in the last couple of moments, you know, taking decisive action and looking for ways to surprise and delight and and serve so uh, thank you for helping us communicate to the well you know when i say the aspiring entrepreneur look i'm old and gray and very long in the tooth i've been at it a long time it's very inspiring for me lisa to hear you talk about i i, I can get reinvigorating uh when uh, when you talk this way i teased you a few moments ago about you know if you had seven weeks you're subject to jump on another franchise but all kidding aside you do uh have some other irons in the fire you are the founder, for example, of uh, an organization called Big Rocks of Life. W- would you talk a little bit about that work? Sure, absolutely. Big Rocks of Life is, and so going back to being a marketer, I always wanted to create my own brand and my own company. Um, and being a marketer by trade and then being an entrepreneur, put those two things together. And yes, you really want to create your own thing. And the Big Rocks of Life is about that story. It's an age-old story. Maybe you know it uh, about uh, this you know, professor that starts filling this jar with rocks and puts some rocks in there and asks the group, uh, is the jar full? And they say yes. And he says, okay, well, he takes some pebbles and he puts it in. And guess what? It's, it filters down and fills the jar, asks them again, is it full? And they're thinking, hmm, I don't know, maybe up to something. I'm not sure it is. Takes some sand fills it in and the sand packs in. Now it really looks full and then takes water. There's another version of this with beer. But you, <laughs> you take water and you pour it in. And then, and then, so you fill this jar, this big jar, right? With these rocks. And then, and then the professor says, what's the moral of the story? And the moral, a lot of times people will say, oh, it's about productivity. And if I, fit things just a certain way, I can get more done and all that. Well, okay, a little bit. However, the real moral of the story is you must put the big rocks in first or they won't fit. Uh If you fill that jar that I just described, and then you take another big rock and you try to put it in the jar, there's no way it will fit. 
And what are the big rocks then? Well, in each of our lives, we have things that are, um, that are our own personal big rocks. It could be family. It could be friends. It could be our career. It could be our businesses. Um, whatever it is, our health, whatever those things are, we have to do those first and we have to allocate. We all have just limited time and we have to allocate a significant amount of time towards those big rocks to really have the life that we want to lead. What a, a marvelous piece of imagery that that illustration really that 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 brings it home now you mentioned being um someone who knows a thing or two about marketing i mean you were you were very modest in the way that you shared it but i happen to know because i did a little pre-show research that you do have some marketing chops how does the whole sales and marketing thing work for a business like that because it just seems like a very crowded arena and to kind of break through the noise and get clients for a firm that offers those kinds of uh, coaching and consulting services. How does the whole sales and marketing thing work in a case like that? Well, it's a great point. And as a marketer, you know, you do, you think, all right, so there's this opportunity, but is it a crowded space? I mean, I said earlier that a lot of businesses fail, so you really need to check the viability. Here's the, yes, the, the bad news, if you will, is it's a crowded space. A lot of people out there are either coaches or, or of various types, or talking about inspiration, motivation of, of different types, right? But at the same time, it is a field, it's an age-old field, I think, that is timeless, and that people are always searching for. And it's one of the most significant things, I think, in each of our lives. We all want to lead the best life we can. And so I think there's a never-ending supply of people trying to solve for this, and so then it becomes a question of, do I, Lisa Cup, have something unique to bring to the market that differentiates me and can help solve problems in a unique way? And yes, the big rocks of life, this, this jar of rocks has been around for a long time. Um, but uh, I think my approach to it is a bit unique. I've created a group called Goal Driven Women that meets monthly. And that has been called Weight Watchers for Goal Planning. Because we get together, we used to get together live in, in Dayton, but now it's via Zoom. And that brings people together to say, what, how do we do last month? We said we had these goals. You know, we have straight talk about them. What If we didn't accomplish them, why not? Do we need help from one another? So there's this kind of support, this empowering one another, which is really important, I think, for women who are, um, you know, really relying on a support network. And then we talk about the coming month and say, what are we going to go do next month? And how are we going to help each other? And so that's been a differentiator for me. It also has a B2B application. So uh, there are businesses that I'm speaking, for example, very soon at um, KeyBank and with their uh, women's group. And I'm working with some other corporate clients to uh, where I've spoken at sales conferences about goal planning and about um, women in leadership. So it has a, it has a number of avenues. So obviously I wouldn't ask you to share any uh, names or specific companies or anything like that, but does something come to mind where they were just, I don't even know what the right words are, a little out of whack and what they really did have some big rocks that they didn't put in early where you were able to kind of help them work through that and, and, and real, realign their jar or something. Can, can you share like a, an example or, or maybe a brief story of, of, of an experience like that where you got to, 
to watch all of that unfold and, and they really did take advantage of, of your expert and, uh, insight and, and counsel? Sure. So I wouldn't go as far as saying that I helped someone sort of realign their rocks because that's a very personal individual thing. Hmm. And it doesn't go so far as, you know, things like counseling, like, boy, this shouldn't be the rock. You should focus on this rock. What I work on is helping, um, helping people understand what their rocks are and what they really want out of life. So we have all kinds of workshops and tools about dream big and how to understand uh, what you really want in this life. And then help them identify what their rocks are, acknowledge them. And we talk about having constant reminders, even if it's a, a jar of rocks um, sitting on your desk. Um, and, and so that when they're working on something and then you say to yourself, okay, another day got away from me or another week got away. Well, mm. is it because I'm filling my day with pebbles and sand and I'm not working on those meaningful things? And so I have helped people identify what those things are and then prioritize, and then also stay on track through accountability, through these groups um, and workshops that we do. Uh, because it's life gets in the way, right? It's a constant sure. effort. Okay, so let's leave our listeners with a, with a couple of tips or some insight uh, from the other side of the, uh, of the desk. There's no doubt in my mind, if I wanted to like try to get into the uh, coaching business or, um, or the, or in the marketing field, you're like my first phone call, right? Like, I bet you could really help me with that. But if I'm on the other side of the desk and I am who I am, the number two guy in this little media company, what are some things that I could do or should do or not do to take full advantage of, of, um, of working with a mentor, of working with a coach or a consultant? I got to believe you've, you've seen some patterns of some people who really get the most out of those relationships. And, and these are some, you know, some things that they do or, or don't do yet. Any counsel on that front for us? Sure. Um, I think the, you know, the place that I start is figuring out what you really want to do. And a lot of people say, boy, you should just, you know, do, you know, work a job that's your passion. Well, they call it work, right? Because you need to make money at it. But if you can align, if you can overlap those circles as, as much as possible of things that you like to do that you can also make a vocation of and, and get paid for, um, find those things because careers are long and you hate to spend, you know, too long at something that just you didn't find fulfilling. Mm. But the other thing that I talk about a lot is that time is so short and we know this but I don't think we really realize it. And I have some tools where you actually look at your life in a number of months on a page and it is not very long. It is surprisingly short. And so when you think a month goes by and you say, well, what did I do last month that is really getting me the life I want? Um, if not, you need to change some things. And so I help people figure that part out, figure out what they want to do and help them change it. And I suspect that it's really important to to try to be as as um, my dad. My dad was a high school basketball coach. I, I, the only word I can come up with is coachable. Like at least open minded to a different perspective or to considering a different set of questions when it comes because these topics are they really are about your life, aren't they? Absolutely, and they're very personal, and that's why i I create the the tools to help them figure it out. But it's really very personal. They need to say these are the um, these are the things that are important to me, and therefore I want to 
make time for them repeatedly in my life. And I need to make those decisions on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Okay, this conversation right here, it's too much fun and too inspiring to try to keep um, captive within this one interview. We're going we're gonna to have a whole interview sometime if you're up for it. I really want to learn more about this work and, and try to help our listeners on that. For now, though, if someone did want to reach out and learn more about Big Rocks of Life or goal-driven women uh, or have a conversation with you or someone on your team, team about that what's the best way for them to do that whatever's appropriate linkedin email whatever you think is appropriate on that front sure so um the the website i would point everybody to is bigrocksoflife.com so all one word big rocks with an s of life.com and you can also check me out on linkedin it's lisa cup with two s's l-i-s-s-a-c-u-p-p find me on linkedin And I can talk about, I love to connect with people and talk about all things, marketing, e-commerce, entrepreneurship, goal planning, you name it. I I stay a little bit busy, but I would love to connect. (laughs) So find me on, uh, out there in the uh, interwebs. And your store, Style Encore Centerville, where, where is the store located? We are, if you're in the Dayton market, please come see us. We are at Cross Point Center in Centerville. And we're near Marshall's and Learning Express, so a little plug to our neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we have the physical store, and then you can also um, find us at styleencorecenterville.com. Well, Lisa Cup, it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your, your story, and I'm quite sincere. I'd love to have you back on, um, on this show or another within the Business Radio X Network and uh, really dive into some of these other topics that we talked about. But thank you for sharing your story and being so um, giving with what you've learned from your work. Well, thank you so much, Stone, for having me. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, you have a great day, and I appreciate it. All right. Until next time, this is Stone Payton for our guest today, Lisa Cup, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family saying we'll see you next time on Dayton Business Radio. Thank you.